Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. There's a point that you can get in your life. Nobody here wants to ever get there. Don't even want to go, don't play with that. Well, I'll just come to Christ whenever. No, your heart gets harder and harder and harder. Pretty soon you're just unrepentant and you cross that line in the New Testament. We call it the unpardonable sin in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, where God never will forgive that person again. They cannot come to repentance. I don't know where that line is. Nobody wants to go there. So that's kind of what I think is there. What's the solution to that? Repent and get saved. You never have to worry about it again. We can see the truth. We can tell the truth. So what is the truth? The truth is we're not beings without wills. We are beings capable of making decisions. We are beings capable of choosing between right and wrong. The truth is when we choose God, when we choose right, when we choose good, then we inherit God's protection. We see it played out every day. When we go to a crime-ridden neighborhood, we can see how choosing crime brings its own terrible consequences. But at the end of a Christian's life, there is a great and precious prize, heaven. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 3, with our continuing study entitled, Six things we can know for certain. Now let's go to the hard part. The last part of verse 16. Let's just skip it and move right on. (laughs) There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that he should pray. So what's the difference between sinning in a way that doesn't lead to death and sin that leads to death? Well, here's the key. Look at me. Is, Is the death... John's talking about physical or spiritual. There's where the division is. Wonderful Bible commentators are divided between both. Now, let's talk about, is he talking about physical death? If he's talking about physical death, do we have any instances in the Bible when a Christian sinned and God killed him, took him right to heaven? Do we have any picture? Ananias and Sapphira. When they came in and said to Peter, here, we sold us uh, uh, this uh, piece of land and we're giving you all the money. And Peter said, really? I think you've kept a lot for yourself. Boof! Dead. By the way, those you don't pay your tithes, I just talked to you. <laughs> I said that in love, in case you didn't know that. <laughs> okay. That could be the Balmer translation. Let's, let's move on. Anybody else in 1 Corinthians? Paul said, you've died an early death because you made fun at communion. You used it as a party. Do we have any people that died in the Old Testament who were believers and went right to heaven? How about the guy that touched the cart? <laughs> so we do have examples of physical death. We don't understand that. Only God knows. They went to heaven, though. Hallelujah. But is, this, is it physical or is it spiritual? 
I lean a little more to its spiritual death. What does spiritual death mean? The word death means separation. So spiritual death means this person is separated from God. And if they don't correct that separation by coming to Christ, they will die in their sins and they will remain spiritually dead. When you and I were born, we were born spiritually dead. We were alive. You can look at that in Ephesians 2. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were physically alive, but we had spiritual death. And what removes that spiritual death is forgiveness from God. Let me read you a verse why I think in context this whole book, John's been talking not about physical death, but spiritual. Let me read 1 John 3.14. We know that we pass from death to life because we love our brothers. So what is he talking about? Death to life. He wasn't talking to dead people. Physically, he was talking about in the spiritual sense. So what is this sin? What is this sin? Well, who is John writing to? Mostly false believers. People that were teaching wrong doctrine. And when John presented them this truth, did they repent? No, they left the church. Still not believers. They continue to rebel against God. And an unrepentant spirit keeps a person from receiving salvation. So what does that mean? Lots of people are confused. And I'll give you a simple, hopefully, understanding. You read in the Bible the unpardonable sin. That it's impossible to go to heaven if you've committed the unpardonable sin. Here's what I believe the unpardonable sin is. If you die, the moment you're getting ready to die and you have the ability to make a choice and you continue to reject Jesus Christ, you have committed the unpardonable sin. There's only one sin that sends a person to hell. It's not adultery. It's not stealing. It's not abusing kids. There's one sin. Rejecting. The only way to heaven, Jesus Christ. He who has a son, say it with me, has life. He who doesn't have a son does not have life. So you die spiritually. By the way, anybody that says to you, would you pray for me? I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. They haven't. How do you know that? Because the Spirit's what? Dealing with their heart. See, you don't want to get to the place where your heart is so hard, you don't care to hear the gospel anymore. So I believe what John is saying is there's a point that you can get in your life. Nobody here wants to ever get there. Don't ever want to go. Don't play with that. Well, I'll just come to Christ whenever. No, your heart gets harder and harder and harder. Pretty soon you're just unrepentant and you cross that line in the New Testament. We call it the unpardonable sin in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis where God never will forgive that person again. They cannot come to repentance. I don't know where that line is. Nobody wants to go there. So that's kind of what I think is there. What's the solution to that? Repent and get saved. You never have to worry about it again. Now, we've seen this next in verse 18. We've seen this over and over again. Well, notice what John says. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Here's your fourth key you want to write this morning. Real Christ followers, all of our campuses, real Christ followers do not practice sin. A habitual lifestyle. Why does John teach this truth over and over again. That's because people in his church were confused. And we have the same confusion this morning. There's a lot of people that don't... they, They really want to be saved from their sin only because they want to be saved from the penalty of sin. They they want to be saved. They want to get this fire insurance. And then they want to go right back to their same lifestyle. But that is not repentance. They want to know they're going to heaven. 
but they're not really sorry for their sin. They want this cookie-cutter forgiveness, say a few words, come to an altar here, Billy Graham, Greg Lower, whatever, kneel down at the TV, God, come into my heart, thank you so much, and they were walking this way in their sin, and go, man, I've got the fire insurance, I'm going right back to my life now. God's grace is good, I can continue to do what I'm doing, but I got it now, I'm confident I'm going to heaven. Wrong. John just says, you can't be a believer and habitually continue to sin. Because repentance never happened. When Jesus walked into this earth, one of the first things he said was, repent. What does repent mean? I'm walking dead of my sins. Repent means I'm sorry enough to change. It's a change in mind, a change in heart, and a change in action. If you came to Christ and there's not been a change, you never got saved. Pastor Mark, how dare you say that? No, I say that in love because how dare you go to the death bed and end up where you don't want to get out. You have to judge. I can't judge. It's very, very serious. Now, I want to give you this morning, I don't want you to copy them. You can find it on the website. All my notes are on the website every week. I don't want you to copy these, but I want you to just look at your own life this morning because these are great things for you to witness to people and there's a great way for you to just stop and go, like, is that me? Here we go. A real Christ follower confesses Jesus as Lord, not just as Savior. Well, I'm not going to follow him. I just want the ticket to heaven. Forget it. You never got saved. A real Christ follower loves God and other people. See, if if you have God in you, you're going to automatically love God. And you're automatically going to love people, believers and unbelievers. Number three, a real Christ follower wants to obey God. And why? Because he knows God's commands are good for them. If you come to an understanding of Christianity as no, 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 no. Well, I want my ticket to heaven, but I'm not going to obey God. That's like ridiculous. It's always the wrong things to do. No, we learned a few weeks ago, his commands are not grievous. They're fantastic for us. They're protection for us. Next. Now, I wish I could say I've arrived here, but nobody will ever arrive. Only one that arrived here is Jesus. A real Christ follower aims to sin less and become more like Jesus. If that isn't your goal, then something's wrong in your life. God isn't interested in changing you from the inside just to get to heaven. He wants you to live today as a follower of Christ. And last, a real Christ follower is unhappy when they sin and repents and receives God's forgiveness. It's not like, how far can I go? When we sin, we go, remember Joseph, when Potiphar's wife came in with that Victoria's Secret outfit and said to him, pretty nonchalantly, come to bed with me. And Joseph said, how could I sin against God? See, all sins against God. All sins against God. If you're a real Christ follower, you don't want to sin against God. Now, look at verse 18. The one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm him. Would you write number five down this this morning? We know Christ's followers are children of God, and Satan cannot harm us. Could I hear an amen right there? When Jesus, as he was getting ready to go to heaven, we have the real Lord's Prayer in John 17. He prayed for his disciples. The same prayer he's praying for you right now. Let me read you the prayer. Now, I'm departing from the world, Jesus speaking. They are staying in the world, you and I. But I am coming to you, Holy Father. You've given me your name. Now, protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Then verse 15. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe 
from the evil one. You and I need to be alert to the way Satan works, but I never have to be afraid of Satan. We learned two weeks ago, we're overcomers. Greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. The one who was born of God, God keeps him safe, and the evil one cannot harm you this morning. That's huge. You, you don't have to live in fear. Freedom. But we have to be wise enough to understand that even right now, Jesus is praying for us. The same prayer. Now, notice one thing. I'm not, Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Just keep them safe in the world. Many Christians believe that they, they want to love God, they want to come to church, they want to read the Bible, and, and, and they're doing good. They're, you guys are doing good. Your discipleship, you're becoming more like him. But they think the church is inside. The church is not inside. It's out in the world. And I want to read you a verse that yesterday hit me right between the head, and I'm still not over it. But I'm reading, I want to read it to you, and I want you to see what I believe God's going to say to us this morning. Look at verse 19. John says this, We know, speaking to believers, that we are children of God, and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. When you think about the Billy Graham crusade, and you think about your neighbors, my neighbors, in our subdivisions, apartment buildings, school, work, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. I'm under the control of God because he saved me. And I want you to, I want you to read my lips in all the campuses right now. The whole world is under the control, listen, of the evil one, but they don't know it. That just killed me. What's this whole book about? Knowing, 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 knowing. The whole world, our friends, our relatives, our co-workers, they're under the control of the evil one, Satan, but they don't know it. That should grab you, hopefully like it grabbed me. So how can they know it? Us. That's why Jesus didn't say, Father, take them out of the world with me right now. Take them to heaven. No, leave them here so that the world can know there is a God who's ultimately in control. And he loves every single one of those people. I'm reading a great book now called Unfinished. I don't, I don't want to finish my life and not finish what God gave me to do. You don't want to do that. One of the great challenges of me, too, one, Jesus on the cross said what? It is it's finished. Paul said, I've run my race. I've completed it. I want to finish it with excellence, with joy. That's what I want. That's what you want. And that has to involve unbelievers. It has to involve unbelievers. Because they're under they're absolutely under the control, think about that, of the evil one. But they don't know it. Now, when you're tempted and you get afraid of the enemy, I want you to see God's promise. For some of you this morning, this will, this will bring you a freedom. Look at 1 Corinthians. Paul writes it like this. The temptations in your life 
speaking to believers are no different from what others experience. Here's the key. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted by Satan, he will show you a way out so you can endure. Notice three key words. God is faithful. He will absolutely, he will absolutely allow you to, to stand and he will allow you to find a way out and endure. So I don't have to be afraid. Some of you this morning are in a difficult situation. Stand in his power this morning. He'll show you a way out. Now, the responsibility is that to take the way out. So take it this morning. So I want the last thing I want you to write before I give you our last keys are this. Christ follower, know you are secure in the grace of God and the love of God. Could somebody give me an amen maybe in one of the campuses? In the grace of God and the love of God. That's the only reason we can stand this morning. I fail. So do you. Grace of God. Grace is greater than all my sin. Hallelujah. Now, I want to read verse 20 and 21. Here we go. And I'll give you the sixth point. John writes this. We know also that the Son of God has come, and he's given us understanding. What understanding? He who has a son has life. He who does not have a son does not have life. We have that understanding because God lives in us. He opened our minds to see it. The world is under the control of Satan, but they don't have understanding. That word understanding means the power and capacity of knowing. He has given us understanding. Why? So that we may, here we go again, know him. Now, this know is different. This is intimate knowledge, i.e., that word is, that word is a, 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 as a word like out of the Old Testament, meaning sexual intercourse. It means an intimate relation with God. And we are in him who is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God, and he is eternal life. Look at verse 21. Now, dear children, I'll read this in the New Living. In some of your Bibles, it'll say, stay away from idols. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your life. So what is our sixth key? What do we end with this morning? Here it is. Christ followers know God through a personal, intimate relationship. When you became a Christian, God sent the Holy Spirit, not a force, but God himself to live in you. He brought truth. He brought understanding. He continues to do that as we learn the word. We no longer stumble around in the dark. We no longer focus on this world. We're passing through. Our home is in heaven. We're going to be with God forever. So the Holy Spirit gives us understanding that I can continue to know God in a personal, intimate way. It's amazing, isn't it? That the creator of the universe allows you and me to have a relationship with him. Notice why John writes this last verse. Can you have a relationship with an idol? Can you have a relationship with a religion? Can you have a relationship with a dead statue? No. Don't let anything keep you that might take God's place in your heart. Let me ask you some hard ones. Can your financial status, you have a relationship with that? Has that become number one? Has your business become number one? Has your education become number one? Is this person that you're dating that isn't a believer and you know they're not interested? Are you actually going to choose them over God? Could this church 
be an idol for me? Absolutely. What does he warn us? Don't let anything have no other gods before me. Don't have anything. The key to what we learned this morning is simply this. I can know God. I can have salvation with God. I can know that I'll have eternal life. When I die, I know where I'm going. I can have a personal relationship with God who guarantees me that the enemy cannot overrule my life. All of these keys, John ends up and says, just keep God in first place. You have a relationship with him. It's powerful. So when I think about that you and I can know the true God, we can understand his word, he lives in us, let me give you a word from a very spiritual person. His name is Phil Robinson of Duck Dynasty. He says it like this. Happy, happy, happy. Come on now, let's get with it on all the campuses. Get your southern accent in. Here we go. Happy, happy, happy. Some of you go, what are you talking about? Get with it. Number one program on TV, what's wrong with you? And they pray and they love Jesus. Weird. All right, we're going to do it a little different. We're, uh, get your beard now. Let's go happy, happy. Come on, come on. All the cameras, here we go. Happy, happy, happy. Hallelujah. Wow, amazing. Say, Pastor Mark, you're crazy. A Christian can be happy, happy, happy. Some of you this morning are not happy, happy, happy. I don't want anybody leaving. We're going to pray and then have communion. I know you're here, and I know this morning God's already begun to speak to you. There's nothing more important than knowing when you die that you have eternal life. And I'm going to ask you this morning, do you absolutely know that when you die, you're going to heaven? Certain, 100% certain. Is it Pastor Mark, you can't know that? Oh, yes, you can. That's what the whole book of First John is about. He who has a son has life, guaranteed, done, finished, over with. If you don't know that, or if you're unsure, you don't have it. I want to pray for you this morning. Because the way you have it is just ask God to forgive you of your sins. Come live inside you. Take him as your Lord. And then just say to him, and you'll repeat this prayer after me. I want to follow you. I want to become like you. That does not eliminate problems in life. But it adds God who's the solution to every one of your problems. Life is tough for all of us. But this is a very short period of time compared to where we're going. So I know you have to understand this morning God loves you at all of our campuses. And this is your time to pray this prayer with me. In a moment, we're going to ask hundreds and hundreds of Christians to pray. And I'm going to ask you to do one thing this morning. Look at me. I'm going to ask you to say, Pastor Mark, I I want you to pray that prayer with me. I want to know before I leave this building. People's heads are going to be bowed. But I want to pray with you here in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vier in the work camp. I want to pray for you this morning. And if you believe and pray this prayer, it begins you in that walk of a relationship with God. Some of you are backslidden. You need to come back to the Lord. How is your walk with God? Pastor Mark asked us this very challenging question and caused us to look inward and upward. We should never be satisfied with our relationship with Jesus. We should continually be striving for a deeper and closer walk with Him, always trying to become more like Jesus. It may seem like we will always have some kind of struggle, but Jesus promises to be there and walk with us as we continue to grow. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now be sure and tune in next time as we begin a new series in God's Word. It's our prayer that you've grown in your understanding of the relationship between your love for God and your obedience to His Word. While we know that works will never save us, we've learned in the book of 1 John that obedience is the expression of our love for God because He first loved us. We hope that now you know that you know. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons, Lord